All right, it is 12.10 a.m. I just got home from Hax's nightclub. I'm just gonna knock this out. I don't know, man. I, uh, the scripts don't... I don't want to script this. Let's just talk about it. All right, entered Hax's nightclub. First, I played Foz, and he was pretty good for round one. I mean, not to, you know, discourage any round one people out there. He was pretty solid. We played off stream, got the slippy vods, all that. Let's just assume we have slippy vods for everything. Anyway, played Foz, pretty solid, and it was a good set. Then I played Advanced. Yo, a, a couple years ago, me and Advanced played at like a, uh, I don't know, I think it was like a, it was a Super Smash Con or something. And we were like super close. We played so similarly, and he took a big break. He's been doing a lot of like photography stuff. Honestly, he's been kind of killing it. And he just started playing again recently, so uh, I was able to take a 2-0. Just I, I think I've just been in practice more than he has. So good stuff to him. Next was Layton, and Layton was I mean he beat me. You know he definitely took it. He's super good. I think me and him are just like we're, we're probably going to go 50-50 at the end of the year I'd be surprised if one of us takes it more than the other in the long run but dude game 2 like the monitor kind of like gunked out and I ended up winning game 2 with the monitor but I was like yo we should replay that and then we totally replayed it and then I won game 2 again but then he won game 3 and that's all that's all recorded too so I fucking love Slippy I'm also kind of drunk. I had a couple pitchers with my boy Hostelgado, and uh, we played for a while after tournament, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, Leighton sent me to Loser's Bracket, where I played Kata, and yo, Kata is fucking sick, dude. Kata's mad good. He is, like, really hard, and he keeps doing these, like, short hop wavelands back, and it takes a lot to, like, expect that, and I think next time I play him, I'm gonna read that more, but, like, if you don't read it, it's, it's very tricky, and he's good at, like, punishing so he got a lot of punishes off that. But I beat him 2-1. Very close set. Then I got to play Casual Flasual. And my dude, he's like a Queens player. Luigi. And I just, like, abuse the matchup OD against this dude. Like, straight up, like, short hop lasers. Like, nair shine. And can't be on platforms, game one. And then game two, FD. I don't think FD's that good against Luigi. I don't know. I'm open for debate against that. I, I don't think Luigi is uh, is as good on that matchup as people say. It's just like, you get to just camp. You get to like take your space. Anyway, then I played Foxy Grandpa, and it was a heartbreaker. I lost against Foxy Grandpa, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. He's amazing. He's really good. But, oh my god, game three was a heartbreaker. I, I think I was up at one point, and I was playing so smart. And he just clutched it out. Uh, man, it was... But it was a good set. And and honestly, after all of the sets against Layton, against Foxy Grandpa, and just all the sets that were really close, um, it just brought me joy. Sparked joy. You know what I mean? Just It made me feel really good. So, can't be upset about that. And even though I got home super late, I'm going to be tired for work tomorrow. Hax's Nightclub is just a blessing so proud i'm just so proud of hacks for what he did and i'm just so happy to have this tournament so this is week two right we we my second week entering this tournament of the year and 
realistically, it's very sustainable. I didn't have to drink a couple pitchers with my boy Hostelgato. He's not going to be there most of the time. Gabe's my boy, so I just, like, you know, hung out with him, but it's usually not going to be like that. Anyway, lost to Foxy Grandpa. Got ninth. Honestly, still a good tournament. Like, <laughs> not going to lie, I'm not, like, nothing to be ashamed of at all. And, um, yeah, just ready for the next one. This is going to be my least favorite episode of the series, even though it's important. That's because I don't usually plan ahead too often about what tournaments I'm going to, how many regionals are optimal for rankings, or the implications of beating a top player. But now that I'm making it a goal to hit the top 100, I need to get strategic. There's a wrong way and a right way to do this, so it's time to buckle up and put some plans together. This is episode 3, The Master Scheme. First, I wanted to reach out to someone knowledgeable to get a better understanding of how the list is made. I reached out to Practical Tasks for some clarity on how the top 100 list is made, and he answered pretty thoroughly. Here's the conversation. If you're watching this, feel free to pause and take a look, but I'll paraphrase quickly anyway. The rankings are decided by a number of panelists, made up of community leaders, TOs, active players, or other knowledgeable people in the scene. A document is sent to all these panelists with eligible player wins, losses, and placements. Tournaments are split into locals and non-locals, and the non-locals are ordered by the number of ballot-eligible players in attendance. Eligible players are chosen based on their results by a group of knowledgeable melee analysts. The list is posted publicly before being finalized, so that players may be brought up if it looks like they deserve a second look. Panelists are then given this prompt. Based on the quality and quantity of results in 2020, rate each player on a scale of 2 to 10. A tournament is held every weekend during the ranking period, and all players on the list are able to attend every event. Over the course of the season, who performs best? You may give the benefit of the doubt to players who attended more events during the ranking period if you so choose. There is also a minimum of three notable events, which is a flexible term that basically means at least three or more regionals all year. I'll get back to this in a second, but the point is, I'm going to be using these guidelines to decide what tournaments I go to in order to not just be eligible, but become a top 100 player. Improvement is clearly important, but my stated goal is top 100, which takes a bit more planning. I need results, good wins, solid placings under my belt, and to stay away from shaky losses as much as possible. That takes a little more than practice, it takes commitment. So here are some basic goals. I want to attend four major tournaments this year, one regional a month, and as many locals as possible. Let's start small with the locals. Hax's nightclub is not going to be weighted at the same level as other tournaments, but a year-long record against some of NYC's best players might help me edge some people out. There's a chance I do pretty well against someone else who's going to be ranked on the list, and from what I've seen on Twitter and from people's explanations, that can really help me. I'm going to use these tournaments more so to improve as a player and just play good melee every week, but it's important mentioning that it could have an impact on my end of year ranking, though admittedly a small one. Regionals are going to be a big deal this year. Not only are they consistently one or two days maximum, meaning I don't have to use my limited PTO from work, but they are going to be weighted way more heavily than the other tournaments. 
These are my opportunities to really pick up the wins, since for ranking purposes they are seen as slightly under that of a major. Besides that, I've always thought of regional tournaments to be the truest form of melee competition out there. Nobody is coming from work and just looking to unwind, there's usually a pot bonus or $10 entry so the top players are all fired up to win, and there are usually plenty of setups for friendlies and warmups. I love regionals, and ideally, I'd like to go to as many as possible. One a month is my goal, which may fluctuate, but these are really important if I want to take this goal seriously. Now, based off my conversation with Practical Tass, there is a world where I can make top 100 without traveling to a single major. I entertain the idea for... I entertain this idea for a little bit, since I might be able to perform better in a one-day event rather than three days, but after some thought, I decided it was the wrong way forward. Let me explain why. As much as the panelists use data to decide their ballots, it is still a subjective list. As shitty as it sounds, the difference between not making the list and getting 99th could be that one of your tournament sets was played on stream. Playing well and picking up wins are 90, 95% of this, but the other 5% is marketing. And that's why majors are so important. So let's take two hypothetical tournaments with the exact same results. The Big House 9, 1,090 entrants. The notable wins are West Balls and Grab, losses are Hugs and Reeve, and the placing is 33rd. Another tournament, Kentucky Classic 2020, with 210 entrants. Again, notable wins, West Balls and Grab, losses are Hugs and Reeve, and the placing is 5th. Now these are both very good results. Grab is a player just outside that top 100, but he's also on the rise and picking up good wins in his own right. You could say that me and him are competing for spots, and he's likely to make that top 100 list. West Balls is, of course, an amazing player. He's known for being somewhat inconsistent at times, so a win against him could be seen as a fluke or a one-off. There are a few reasons why the Big House Tournament is much more influential than the Kentucky Classic. First, it will be higher on the list due to more top 100 eligible players in attendance. It is immediately weighed higher than a regional with 150 entrants, just on paper. So the West Balls win will stand out more when it's time for ranking, but also during the tournament, when it would show up on an upset thread and all over Twitter since the whole community is watching the same thing. Remember, perception is important. At the margins of the top 100, winning the panelist's heart is almost as important as winning the sets. The grab win is important to be weighed higher as well. If we're competing for the same spots in that upper 90 range, that head-to-head -head is looking important. Snagging that win at a major and bumping him from, let's say, 33rd to 49th might be the little boost I need to eke out a spot over him. Third, this scenario is much more likely to happen at a major than anywhere else. I need as many upset chances as possible, and a major will supply these much more frequently. Putting myself out there is the only way to make that happen. So sum it up, Hax's nightclub is very close to my job, so I'll be going weekly. Regionals are very important, and I will attempt to go to one every month. Majors are most important, and I'll shoot for three to four within the year. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Am I focusing too hard on results? Will it impact my play? Are there flaws in the strategy? Most comments will be talked about on the Wannabes pod with myself and Wasabi, since we love talking about this sort of stuff. Anyway, that's it for this episode. See you later, Wannabes. JD, out.